What motivates us to give poor advice to ourselves? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the Torah portion of Kedoshim. Again, at least those of us outside the land of Israel. Yes, you are a week ahead of us. But I think, again, all Torah messages are timeless. And this particular one, the, related to a verse in Kedoshim, has many, many ramifications on the interpersonal, social, and maybe in intrapersonal self, sense. The verse in the Parsha, Lifnei Iver Lositein Mechshol, literally, in front of the blind, do not place a stumbling block. The prohibition of tripping somebody up, causing that individual who can't see the uh, stone that I put over there, or the banana peel that I tossed on the street, and he is going to go flying, dangerous ramifications, even if there's no concern of anything life-threatening, I'm causing this person potentially physical damages, uh, it's certainly embarrassment and distress prohibited by the Torah. Well, is that what the verse really means? You look at Rashi's commentary, Rashi, and this is almost always the case, quoting from the much earlier oral traditions, in this case the Sifra, tells us the blind individual in this verse is not the literal blind man. It's not somebody who is, has uh, some damage to his optic nerve, but rather this is somebody who is blind in a certain regard. He is figuratively blind. He does not recognize that the information that you're giving him, and that is the figurative stumbling block, is going to lead him astray. So rather than talking about putting a rock in front of a blind individual, this is talking about providing some misinformation, some bad financial guidance, some poor medical dietary, nutritional, social, economic, whatever it is that you are providing, you are giving this person bad advice. This person who is blind in this regard, he doesn't know, he doesn't get it, he has no expertise. You know more than he, you have a better grasp of the situation than she, and you give advice that is ultimately not in their best interest. That, says Rashi, is the violation addressed in this verse. Now, why it is that the sages come to this conclusion that the verse is going beyond the physical, the classic, the literal, and addressing something a little bit more abstract. A quick aside for a few moments, this, the commentaries describe that there are elements in the verse itself that make this evident. One very basic one addressed by several commentaries is that the Hebrew verb, do not place the stumbling block, there is no word in that verse that translates as do not place. The Hebrew, lo sitain, do not give a stumbling block in front of the other. Well, not giving generally describes where A is providing something to B. Lo sitain means that do not hand something over, do not share something with the other party. Putting down the rock on the street isn't a fulfillment of that verb of lositain, that would be losasim, don't place, don't put down. Lifnever lositain, Mirchol translates as don't provide, don't relay the stumbling block. Oh, that fits better if I am providing you with information. If I am sharing some advice with him or her, that would fit that verb better. One theme in the commentators. The second 
is the conclusion of this verse. In front of the, And you shall fear your God. I am God. Now, if we look in other verses that end with that declaration, they generally are of a nature where as I am facing this trial, this tribulation, this uh, temptation to violate whatever the verse is talking about, I can feel rather comfortable that nobody will really know. I have the capacity to get away with this. The court won't know. My neighbors won't know. Nobody can really tell. And comes God and says, but I can. Recognize I am God. I'm in tune to not just what you're doing, but what you're thinking. I am fully cognizant of what your, even what your intention is in each situation. I know if what you're doing is kosher or not kosher, legit or not legit. And commentators explain, if we're limited to putting a boulder in front of this person who's going to trip over it, I have good reason to believe that that may become detected. Others may recognize this. I may be noticed. Whereas if we're talking about giving bad advice, who really knows if I'm intending this advice as good advice or bad advice? Maybe when I suggested this stock pick, maybe when I suggested that you do or don't take that vaccine, maybe I really thought that what I was telling you is in your best interest. So even if in fact I have sinister intentions or I'm simply being negligent and passing on information without due diligence, but maybe that is simply my, my intention to good advice. Who knows if my intention, my focus was on giving you good advice or bad advice. Comes God and he says, I do. I know what you were thinking. I know if you recognized that this was harmful. I know if you recognized that at least you had no basis for sharing this information and, and letting this person be tricked into thinking that you have a, that you are a good resource for him to turn to on this. So again, that would support the theory that the verse is moving beyond the physical to something more abstract, the conceptual, that it's the bad advice rather than just a block on the street in front of him. By the way, there's another element in this verse that is codified in law, and that is leading somebody astray in terms of spiritual failing, providing somebody the resources to do something that is contrary to his or her spiritual best interest, facilitating a crime, facilitating a sin, assisting the person in violating the Torah is also included in this verse. And I'd like to focus more on the issue of the bad advice. Because if the verse has to tell us, don't do this, that means there are people who otherwise would. And especially if we need to end off with God saying, hey, realize you ultimately can't get away with it. I'm attentive to what you're thinking. That means there's a natural tendency that at least some people have sometimes to feel that <clears throat> this is worth it. I can do this. I can get away with it. And what, in fact, motivates giving bad advice? Why would somebody give bad advice to somebody else? And yes, fairly easy to recognize there could be cases that I'm manipulating you for my best interest. I'm trying to get you to partner with uh, you know, a buddy of mine in a business deal. I stand to gain by that. You know, I just bought a million dollars of a certain shares of a certain stock. So I'm giving you advice that's going to somehow impact the market and, and give me a boost. 
Yes, there could be cases where it's my greed and I have what to gain, but it seems it's not limited to that. And in the examples that were given, it seems that there are cases where I have nothing directly to gain, yet I still have a possibility of, a, of the human nature is such that I might be motivated to giving you bad advice, if not for the Torah telling me, stop, don't do that. Realize that I am attentive to what it is that you're thinking. And very eager to hear other suggestions as well. And definitely, as always, feedback at tachoscoaching at gmail.com. But I believe there is one element that really is worth focusing on in terms of our own self-development. And that is the element of ego and pride and sense of wanting to be in control and wanting to be seen as the expert and wanting to be seen as superior to others that it feels good to know that others turn to me as a resource. So that often it could be, it's not that I'm purposely trying to steer you astray, but I simply don't know what I'm talking about, but it feels good to be seen as that expert. And even in cases that it's not that I'm trying to bring about someone's demise, but I'm commenting on something, I'm making suggestions that simply are without due diligence, without any sense of my own research and analysis, or I have no right to even claim that I have the capacity to make the research and analysis. I just do not know what I'm talking about. But oh, yeah, you want to know, I'm suggesting you do this. Oh, yeah, this is a good thing to eat. That's a bad thing to eat. This is a good stock to purchase. That's a bad one to purchase. I'm the expert. And it feels good to be in that position, rendering the decisions for others, becoming, being in control, having others by definition being more and more subordinate to us. And it comes from a term in the Hebrew of gaiva, related, English word ego related to that, of a certain sense of haughtiness, of building ourselves up at someone else's expense. Now, of course, there are cases that are more sinister and are more damaging. I'm just looking to knock this other guy down, to chop, ruin, but without being that cruel and callous, but simply being unwilling to calculate the ramifications, what this is going to do, the potential harm to somebody else because of the fact that it feels good to know that they're turning to me for that advice, that I can weigh in and give over my opinion and potentially steer people in what could be a rather harmful direction. That ego, that pride may help us understand an, an, another much more subtle element, and that is when we are faced with the need to give advice to ourselves. When we're faced with a situation that I have, I'm at a crossroads, I have to make a decision, and I would rather feel that I know what to do in this case than to yield to the reality that I just don't know. I do not want to acknowledge, certainly to me is letting others know that I don't know, and I need to turn to them for advice. And, you know, it's one thing I have to ask you for directions, on, whether it's in, in a route on the travels in the world before GPS, let's say, or in, on a uh, technical, technical thing where, okay, like nobody knows what to do. It makes sense to turn to others, but how come, how come you turn to me for advice on this? Don't you realize, don't you know? And even if you do not express that to me, the fact that you'll look at me as somebody who needs that advice, oh, that's uncomfortable. I've just boosted you over me in a certain realm. Or if I need to acknowledge to my spouse, child, parent, 
coworker, neighbor, supervisor, superior in some realm that, oh, I need to turn to ask you, I need to turn to you, or I need to turn to somebody else. Oh, you're not all knowing. You don't have expertise in every single realm of human existence and experience. Oh, you're not perfect. I don't want to feel that I'm not perfect. I'd rather know that you feel that I'm perfect. And interestingly, I'd rather delude myself into thinking that I'm perfect. I don't need to check. Um, there, there are two subsets of society um, who have very different reactions to, um, to what do we call instruction manuals. You get a new gizmo of any type and you can divide society. There's two groups. There's one half of society that to be, tend to be pretty good and recognizing it pays to at least peruse the instruction manual. There's another half of society that tend to be pretty poor at doing that. Uh, the first half that tend to recognize it's probably a good idea to take a look at the instruction manual. Uh, that, that half of society is called women. And, and the other half, hey guys, sorry, but again, somewhat stereotypical, but I personally know of too many anecdotes that support this uh, to be willing to um, dismiss this absolutely. But the guys tend to not be so good at letting, at allowing themselves to say, hey, I can't figure this out on my own until they kind of mess up the first two or three times and have to go back to the instruction manual while their wives look at them and say, hey, <laughs> didn't I tell you? But back to ego. That ego, when we recognize that the desire to be able to be the expert and share with others and give advice to others, comes back to haunt us when we start deluding ourselves into thinking we really know it. We make decisions. And that can have significant ramifications. We make poor health judgments, more financial judgments, even when it comes to Jewish law and, and practice. I'll, I'll kind of guess that this is the right thing to do rather than ask. It's a little too humbling to ask. And uh, a certain laziness in our part, a certain, again, barrier that we have to being willing to spend the time and the effort and certainly the ego factor of, to acknowledge that maybe I don't know, I need to research this. So as we deal with this verse in this parashala, not putting the stumbling block and of course, learning to be super cautious about not causing somebody else any type of physical harm. And that one, I think we tend to be pretty good at wanting to avoid taking to heart that idea that we are prohibited by the Torah to lead somebody spiritually astray. We're prohibited by the Torah to lead somebody down the wrong path in any realm that we can be, that we are being asked for advice or that we are offering advice and recognizing from that prohibition, the reality of the fact that our egos can get in the way, they can steer us in the wrong direction. And when it comes to this regard, in, in so doing, cause ramifications to steering others that wrong direction as a result. Paying attention to that and kind of flipping it on the side and saying that because I recognize this, I'm therefore super attentive to the fact this may be my ego at play and stop. I do not want to be guilty of leading someone else astray. I do not want to be guilty of dismissing that need to make my own personal efforts to clarify rather than jump into a decision and lead myself in the wrong direction. In so doing, if we become the type of people who are attentive to that potential risk and therefore put up that barrier against the leaf naivir, against giving the bad advice, and certainly against allowing ourselves to delude ourselves and misdirect ourselves, we'll get on the right path, 
help pull others in the right path as well, and be the type of people who are collectively all the more likely to achieve our tachlis.